Hi everyone. So I want to talk today about a, a, a phenomenon or an idea or a concept called the bystander effect in bullying allegations. Um, and I'm doing it based on an article I've seen today uh, about this idea, based on some research done in the UK. Um, I have to say up front, I'm a little bit surprised that this kind of research seems to happen over and over and over again. It always comes to the same conclusion. Um, I don't really understand why the same thing gets researched again and again and still points to the same approaches to allegations of bullying in the workplace that have uh, that have existed for a long time that don't work as I've kind of identified in other videos I've done but nevertheless they still keep happening and they still keep coming up with similar um, kind of suggestions or outcomes but the reason I want to look particularly at the bystander effect as an idea or a concept that is suggested to apply in workplace bullying allegations is that it's kind of just one more angle that takes the same approach as the other aspects of um, approaches to bullying that, that just don't make sense. They just don't work, they don't make sense. Um, and I've not actually addressed bystander effect before. Um, so I just want to go through why I don't really see it contributes anything. If anything, as I say, it just kind of makes the suggestion that doing what's always been done is going to somehow one day work when it hasn't done forever. Um, but this is a new angle, so bystander effect is not one I've covered before. So the suggestion within the article, and based on research by two professors um, in or, or significant academics working in the field of uh, organisational psychology, etc., uh, suggests that there's the concept of bystander effect applies in bullying allegations. Now, for me, first of all, it doesn't because the comparison they make is uh, an original piece of research which was done about um, uh, the fact that in the 1960s a, a woman was stabbed outside her apartment building while 38 residents watched from their windows. Now, and, and uh, not a single person intervened or called the police, um, was the suggestion, although they say this story and the theory itself have been challenged. But they're making the comparison with that between, uh, between bullying and a murder. Now, what is just fundamentally different about those two situations is you can't really miss if someone walks up to someone and stabs them and the other person dies that there has been a perpetrator and a victim. So it's very clear, it's a horrible experience, but it's very clear that there's one person who's the perpetrator, one person who's the victim. The person who's the perpetrator is carrying a knife, they're still alive, they're not lying on the floor. The person who's the victim is dying on the floor, either dead or dying, etc. So it's very easy to see the distinction between the two. And they're suggesting that the idea can be applied to bullying. Now the whole thing with bullying is, it's subjective. They even say it's subjective, as uh, uh, subjectively experienced in their research, but they don't then take that into into account, or in their article rather, they don't then take that into account with what they then follow. So it's almost like there seems to be an inherent contradiction within what they're writing. But the point is, you could see something which later someone might say was them feeling bullied, and you could just not. You might not even notice the interaction between two people, but even if you did, 
you may not agree that what's happened has been bullying. Indeed, you might sometimes see the other person as, if you had any view at all about it, you might see the other person as the one being bullied. Um, and the reason I say this is based on, I think as I mentioned in other videos, when I do um, group mediations in organisations or teams where uh, an allegation of bullying is a significant part of what's gone on, when I kind of meet with people individually before any group meeting comes together, there will always be, almost with regularity, a kind of a, a three-way split between the views of the people involved. There will be about three or four, say it's 12 people, there'll be about three or four people will say, yes, you know, person X, they're a bully, they're horrible, they're abusive, they're rude, they, you know, try to kind of make you do things you don't want to do, they're rude, etc. So there will be about four that will agree with that. Then there will be four who say, what's this all about you know it's not him that's bully or her it's them they're the ones who are bullying they're always gossiping about him they're always trying to undermine him they're always saying bad things about him they're always obstructing him when he wants to get on with something because they've got this kind of hatred towards him so they will see those original four as bullies or maybe at least one or two of them so we've already got a kind of a very different perspective on things and then the other remaining four We'll, we'll say things like, you know, I just wish they'd just get over it and get on with things. All I want to do is come in, go to work, go home, you know, enjoy my time with my family. I don't want all this hassle when I come in. But that's very hard for a lot of people who want there to be this very clear, you know, almost objective distinction between people um, that there is bullying. It's very clearly happening it's very objectively observed you know there's a bully there's a victim and it just doesn't work like that you know it just doesn't work like that there is a complete subjectivity about it so in terms of this article that kind of middle four the third group that i mentioned but the ones who just say up oh, i just wish they'd get over it and get on with it they're likely to be the ones who are described as the bystanders um, and it makes so many assumptions about them. It, make, it makes the assumption that they have seen bullying, but they've done nothing about it, as opposed to, you know, they probably didn't even notice the two people having a discussion or an argument. Because, there's, you know, let's also kind of expand a little bit about what is often thought of as bullying, because it's not just kind of two people having a stand-up row in front of everybody. It can be things like, a person feeling micromanaged by their boss. It can be emails that that um, that are considered to be bullying. It can be being ignored up and down, walking up and down a corridor, feeling that they're treated as if they don't matter or they don't count. So all of these things are people aren't just going to be standing there, kind of with a clipboard observing this kind of stuff. They're going to be getting on with their day. So the idea that there's this very clearly perceivable, perceptible, whatever the word is action of bullying going on and people are going to literally be standing there noticing it and witnessing it you know and as i say kind of observing oh so and so was bullying but i'm not going to do anything about it it, it doesn't work like that and so i kind of always a bit puzzled <laughs> where these kind of perceptions of what's happening in workplaces are coming up from as if you know people are standing there waiting to see whether bullying is going to hurt they've got things to do in their day they're not noticing this stuff. But 
so that's you know a that's for me that's kind of looking at the, the greater reality of what's actually going on and that you can't compare the bystander effect original concept of someone being stabbed with bullying happening because one's very clearly distinguishable and noticeable the other is just not it's not going to be noticed so the idea that they're bystanders they're probably not bystanders they're just walking up and down doing their thing during the day but as i say the for me the kind of the further side to this is it's almost just trying to find one more group to blame you know in any situation we already have the person who feels bullied we have the person accused of bullying we have the managers or the organization trying to manage the situation and when it doesn't work because it never does because it's so subjectively interpreted then everybody gets blamed everybody gets blamed you know the person accused is already being blamed um, and often being found guilty before any kind of investigation happens and when it doesn't and it does happen and it's inconclusive they're left hanging with this kind of you know um, you know dark cloud over them even though they're not clear whether they you know there's no clear outcome for them so they're left with this kind of reputation without any actual uh, proof that it's happened um, the person who feels bullied blames you know kind of everyone because they haven't endorsed their view that they've been bullied and they feel let down um, and then often what can happen is the people doing the investigations and things end up blaming both people involved because they say they were uncooperative or resistant or you know abusive even towards the investigators because they just think that they're being unfairly treated so everybody blames everyone now what's happening is this kind of research now brings in the people who work around the people involved as if somehow they're to blame because they're not standing up and speaking out about what they're seeing when actually a lot of the time they're not seeing it and even when they are seeing something they're just seeing it as a falling out between two people rather than as bullying because it's not as clearly distinct as someone walking up to someone and stabbing them it's a very different much more subjective experience and may not even be noticed at all because people have got things to think about during their day and that's so that's the kind of the real difficulty with the idea that this is all nicely clearly distinct that there will be bullying going on it will be recognized as bullying by the people standing around and they're just choosing not to say anything it's a very odd idea but as i say the problem with it is that it leads to a kind of further demonization of the people who are around the situation as if they're doing something wrong as if they're to blame for the problem not getting resolved and it's almost like this constant desperate need to find someone to blame because the processes that are used never do find someone to blame they're so um, subjectively defined and therefore inconclusive as an outcome when it's when things are looked into um but you know the another thing that i think is commonly the difficult difficulty with this kind of research is it's just not scientific it's just not scientific it speaks about things again as if in all of these situations where there's felt to be bullying occurred there is someone who is the bully 
And yet, as you've seen in the other videos that I've done, it's almost never the case that in any situation where bullying is alleged, that there is a conclusive outcome that says this person is a bully. So it's hard to see how they can do research where they identify someone as a bully without any basis on which to do so. So it kind of undermines the whole credibility of, the, of it being a scientific piece of research. Um, so it seems to be more informed by just the prevalent view of how to deal with bullying allegations uh, rather than actually any scientific rigour. Now, you know, in a sense, having said that, what I want to do is not pretend that this is the only paper that seems to be subject to this. So I don't want it to be like I'm picking out this particular piece of research. Most pieces of research on this are like this, so it's not particularly just these people uh, who are doing this, but it's hard to see how it can be considered scientifically rigorous to identify people as bullies who have not actually been proven to be bullies. Um, so it's kind of hard to make any objective sense of that as, as a basis for doing research. Um, and you could even say the label bystander is as if there's a definition of what that means. And it won't be that people are literally kind of standing there, like I say, with clipboards being a bystander, looking in, making notes and then and deciding it's bullying, but then not doing anything about it. There'll just be people walking by. There'll just be people sitting in the coffee room, either noticing or not noticing that there's some kind of altercation between two people. But in most of the situations, it's not going to even happen that way. As I say, it's in meetings, people feel slighted, people feel ignored. It's in emails, people feel that they're spoken about disrespectfully. It's, it's in... Um, you know, kind of open office situations where people feel micromanaged when most of the time they won't even notice that the person is feeling that way or that it's happening. So that again, as I say, it's almost like it's trying to find just one more group to blame because of the continued ineffectiveness of the approach to bullying allegations that exists. So rather than look at the approach, it's almost continuously trying to find another reason why it doesn't work and saying, well, if we fix this, we make ev make sure everybody speaks up, then everything will be lovely, and everybody will agree, yep, they're the bully, they're the victim, as if it's this kind of objective process. Um, so this is why I say it just doesn't work. This kind of research doesn't lead to anything new, um, and doesn't seem to look at the, the whole process as fundamentally flawed and that's why you never get effective outcomes uh, to bullying allegations and I don't think I've said already I always want to make clear I'm talking about bullying allegations I'm not talking about harassment because harassment is discriminatory and unlawful and the fact that often you will find that bullying and harassment policies exist as if they're kind of much of the same is one of the major problems why harassment isn't dealt with effectively. There needs to be a separate policy for harassment. And the other policy, again, as you perhaps know, if you've seen my other videos, I would say shouldn't be called bullying policy. It should be called, I don't know, problematic or difficult or um, destructive relationships at work policy. Um, 
because this whole obsession with trying to prove everything's bullying before anything can be done about it, it just obstructs movement forward. Um, why does something have to be proven to be bullying before you can do something about it? Um, and there are many ways that you can do something about it without it having to be an investigation to prove it's bullying. Um, again, you know, I've said before, mediation, conflict coaching, and even if people don't want to use those processes, there's plenty of things that they can do to try to resolve the situation with the other person, or if they don't feel able to do that, then to look after themselves with the consequences of the situation. Do they start looking for another job? If they don't want to have to do that, then do they start looking at other ways they can improve their own response to the situation? Um, do they look at moving to another department if they particularly don't want to leave the organisation? There's all sorts of things that can happen that, that people can support themselves with if they don't want to have something like mediation with the other person. Um, plenty of things that people can do that are not totally dependent on an ineffective and fundamentally flawed process to find in their favour because it's just not whether you're accused or whether you're the person who feels bullied it's just not going to work for you um so you know this is why i'm looking i kind of try to highlight this stuff um is that there are many ways in which people can come through a sense of being bullied whether they call it being bullied or not that don't need to rely on a fundamentally flawed and ineffective approach to bullying allegations at work. Um, I think that's all I want to say. There probably were some other things I was going to include, but I just really want to highlight this almost obsession with a, f a process that just doesn't work. But if research is done into it, instead of it identifying that, it just seems to kind of find more, try to find more real reasons why it should work, but it doesn't rather than say, well, it doesn't work. So find something, create something new and different and better, an alternative. Um, but it always seems that this kind of research is, is just trying to say, ah, it's a great process, but if only these people did this, then it would work. Or if only these people did that, then it would work. It's never going to work. It's never going to work. So the sooner there becomes an acknowledgement of that, um, the sooner that newer ideas about how to deal with the sense that people have that they're being bullied at work can can be created and be taken forward. So there's me for this video. That's my views on the kind of um, the inner the perhaps irrelevance of the bystander effect in bullying at work and how it doesn't help. Uh, to improve the situation, to even have a concept that the idea exists. Um, I hope you found it interesting, hope you found it challenging. If you've got questions or viewpoints about it, please share them. Um, happy to hear from you and uh, have a good day. Bye bye.